Welcome to the Tripod Super Bowl preview extravaganza. Winnie here, joined by Nettie. We're going to break down Super Bowl 58. It's, of course, the 49ers against the Chiefs. The game takes place eight days from now, about 9.30, maybe 10.30 Monday morning, depending on where on the eastern seaboard you do live. It's a Super Bowl of uh, – it's a, it's a rematch of Super Bowl 54 from four years ago where, of course, the Chiefs scored 21 unanswered in the fourth to go from down 10 to winning it 31-20, which was the first Super Bowl in the Mahomes era. But we're now up to Super Bowl number four for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are shooting for their third win. Uh, the Niners, you've got to go back a little further. 2013 was the last time the Niners were involved in a Super Bowl without the Chiefs, where they lost a thriller. And if you want to recall for historical uh, context, the last time the Niners won was all the way back in 1995. So we've got a hell of a matchup. Thank you to everyone who's joining us. Sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, kind of preoccupied as we start, and it's a super long intro without introducing my co-host yet, but just trying to get it, this thing going live everywhere. Let me see. Uh, Instagram audience, have you got us? We've got some people in there, so say, say g'day if you're watching us on Instagram. We could we'll try. I don't think we can put your comments on the screen, but we can interact with you. And uh, let us know what you're thinking as well. If you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook, we can interact with your comments. As I say, what a matchup we have. A, a line is under a field goal. That's how we like it. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a super strong opinion. I'm going to come with it that can easily get thrown in my face if it doesn't work out. But I, I really think I know who wins this game. Uh, but we're going to review every aspect of this one. And I want to uh, welcome in Nettie from Nettie Given Sunday, mate, because not only did I hijack your weekly time slot so we could do this together, but I have not let you get one word in yet. So let us know how you're going. I want to know your highlight of the playoffs so far and give the punters a summary of how your bets have gone all year and most recently in the playoffs. Um, well, firstly, before we kick off, because you are hijacking my time slot, I will say thank you to Top Sport. If you don't have a Top Sport account, get on over, put tripod in the promo code section and sign up. And of course, Big Wheels, Truck Alignment, Gold Coast are the boys who know big trucks in the GC and Northern Rivers, New South Wales. Give them a Google for any heavy vehicle alignment, tyres, steering, suspension, repair needs, whatever you need. They also have 20 stores Australia-wide offering the only Australia-wide warranty in the industry. Tell them Ned sent you. That's professionalism right there, my friend. <laughs> so what do you want to know? Deals, uh, well, we chatted last before the playoffs, so we actually gave some dynamite uh, playoff preview tips i'm going to review those but uh have you got a favorite moment so far from the all the knockout rounds um bill's chiefs is always a classic i always love that one i look forward to it i do like i know a lot of people that um this one sort of got thrown away in the wash is that in the pre-season pod i actually gave out the green bay packers to win the nfc north which looks stupid for probably half the season, maybe even two-thirds of the season, seeing how hot they got towards the end and almost caught um, San Francisco 49ers sleeping on that one. I thought that was cool. Um, the NFC as a whole, I think, was extremely competitive and it was exciting to an extent, um, even just to see the Chiefs roll in like they always do, man. Everyone was looking at everyone else, was looking at the Ravens, was looking at the Bills, possibly even Miami. But it is what it is. The more things change, the more they stay the same, they will back. That's exciting to me. And your um your punning results, mate. Don't know if you've got kind of numbers in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for us, 
we actually it's actually been pretty brutal so in the wild card round we went 16 and 10 which was fantastic awesome um divisional round we hit a couple of ladder multis which paid off for us but we went 10 and 11 in the bets and then last week in the conference we went four and seven which was brutal um and it was actually our first negative week since week seven which is good um but yeah it was actually brutal like uh, my analysis of the um ravens chiefs one was mostly the one that kicked us in the teeth the most we we just gave away a lot on that one but regardless four and seven we're not burning things down it's not the end of the world but i do pride myself on going well in the playoffs um granted it's just an extra week it's just it's no different to any other thing but playoffs being playoffs everyone's excited i do pride myself in going well on that so i was actually a bit disappointed personally in that one but still got one more to go losing week in week set that's gone back three months ago. So that's that's outstanding yeah. stuff. And what else is outstanding? I have to say our playoff preview extravaganza. So I just want to jog people's memory, some of the tips. Now, some of these are hard luck stories. And I'm going to say, oh, if only this happened, it would have been the best tip ever. And people are going to go, yeah, whatever. If But listen to this, right? So passing yards leader, I gave out Goff at $13. He has the most playoff passing yards. The problem is he's only 110 ahead of Mahomes. Mahomes will get over 110 in the Super Bowl. So he's going to come second. But why that's such a was such a good bet? I mean, the Lions were $1.19 at halftime last week. If the Lions make the Super Bowl, you know, you, you have a massive chance of winning that bet. Or if the Chiefs don't get the upset, then there would be no one that could overtake Goff, and that would have won. Similar story with um, Amon Ra St. Brown. I gave him out $13 leading uh, receiving yards, and he is leading all contenders, but... He's not playing uh, in Monday in uh, eight days' time. Travis Kelsey is, and Travis Kelsey's just behind him. So, again, will overtake, unless there's a first-quarter injury to Kelsey or Mahomes, which you wouldn't want to see. They're both going to come second. But what about this one? I gave out Pacheco rushing yards, which is the one you love the most as well on the show, and that was $21 for most rushing yards in the playoffs. He's into $1.40. He leads Christian McCaffrey, who's the only person that can catch him, by 66 yards. So it's not a done deal. But he's uh, massively in the box seat. I gave out a special that went down as well, though. I also thought the Raiders Ravens would win last week, and they did not. So we didn't get a Niners-Ravens Super Bowl. So my exact, I'm sorry, um, didn't make it quite to the big dance. And that was that was a 10-to-1 shot. Uh, but then I also told people I'd be doing weekly touchdown tips and giving out first touchdown score. I've been doing that in association with Wiki on their channel and not picking every game, just two games we've keyed in on each week. And just one tip per game. And I have won every week of the playoffs. Wildcard round, 11.50 had Rasheed Rice gone in first for the Chiefs. Uh, divisional round, $13. I had George Kittle going in first. And then last week was the crown jewel. I had Jameson Williams' first touchdown for the Detroit Lions at $34. So I will have a first touchdown score, but that will be on my show with Nicole. Before we dive into the matchups, uh, you did already mention our client sponsor, but let's also get a uh, one of our guest clips. This one's from Tristan to give us a bit of market intel. G'day everyone, it's Tristan Merlihan here from Top Sport. I've been out at Nippers with the girls all day, so just getting ready, trying to do a few things for the Super Bowl, which is only a week away now. We'll be pretty excited this week, and I know uh, you guys are settling in to watch the big preview from Jacob and the crew, so it's going to be a cracking game. I think this is going to be one of the best betting games we've seen in many years, because at the moment, uh, Sunday morning, the market is $1.75 San Fran, Kansas City $2.10, so really even. The line actually shifted from one and a half out to two. It's been pretty solid at two for the last few days, and the totals have gone 47.5 down to 47. So 
We haven't taken massive bets either way at the moment. There's been a myriad of bet, bets sort of on both uh, both options, which makes me believe that there's going to be plenty of people with different storylines and different thinking and different differing opinions, which should make for a, for a really good hold in terms of turnover. Should make for for plenty of action both sides. So it'll be interesting where this one ends up uh, once we get close to kick off there on Monday. Um, I think I mentioned in the lead up to the playoffs. We only had three uh, bad results in the Super Bowl betting, and at the time they were Philadelphia, which we dodged pretty quickly. They were San Fran and they were Kansas City. So we go into this game where we can't win on either of the two teams in the futures books. They were Kansas City. So we go into this game where we can't win on either of the two teams in the futures books. So that's always frustrating. It doubly adds to the frustration when you're a Detroit fan and they look like they were in a really good spot at halftime and they were a really nice result for us. In the uh, in the Super Bowl, what wasn't a B. It was uh, disappointing to to see how that second half played out. But they uh, they had a great season. I think they're going to be uh, you know very very competitive again next year as well. So um, looking forward to this year's Super Bowl. We've got something exciting coming from a same game multi perspective. We're just putting the finishing touches on it, and it should be available middle of this week where we'll have a stack of markets available for everyone to bet into. We've got a heap of markets up there already on the website. I think we've got over two hundred markets already on the website. So that should be good for everyone to sink their teeth into. There'll be a few more added throughout the next few days days as well, where obviously from Friday and the weekend, we'll have the bulk of our markets. Yeah, 204 up there as we speak. I can't split these teams. Uh, I, I think it looks an absolute beauty. Um, you know, San Fran's been the best side all year. There's been a lot said about Brock Purdy and his side and whether he can play under the pressure, but they've been in a lot of trouble in a couple of their games and they've pulled it out of the fire, which is a, a pretty solid effort. Kansas City, they were pretty ordinary the back half of the year, but they've been running hot. In the playoffs, we know what Mahomes can do in the uh, in these big games as well. So probably if I was to take a side, I'd probably slightly be on Kansas just on the back of the fact that they're the underdogs in a game that I think is an absolute genuine toss of the coin job. So looking forward to it. Um, hopefully whatever you do, um, you know, you gamble responsibly and you enjoy the game. So Tristan touched on it there. He's a Lions fan. That's got to hurt doubly for a bookie when all the money's on San Fran. And in fact, San Fran were dead and buried in that game, down 17, third quarter, then in a position to cover the game, getting up 10, and also depending on uh, what where you got the line as well, going for the touchdown on fourth down at the end when a lot of teams just kick a field goal, make it a one game. They don't succeed there. They lose by 10, and if you had the Lions plus a start, you don't even win that. Or on the other side of the equation, if you had laid the lumber with the 49ers, you would have got a very improbable win. Uh, although that was the second of the two conference championship games, let's have a word on those, Nettie. Uh, how did the Lions blow that, or what impressed you about San Fran at the comeback? There, there was just a passage of that game that was extremely unlucky, and a lot of people have spoken about, um, you know, they're going for it on fourth down. But when you think about it, there was an overthrown ball to Ayuk, which hit a guy right in the face. Right, right in the face. And we've spoken about this cornerback, I think, two weeks ago. Yeah, so when the Bucks were playing the Lions, uh, Vildor is his name. This was the guy that I was targeting with Godwin. It was not successful, this bet, but he is just – he's averaging, I think, it's like almost 20 yards against him. Like, he's horrifically bad. Hit him right in the face mask. It then bounces into Ayuk's hands. They go down to about the two or three, whatever it is. They end up scoring a touchdown. The following drive on that one is the Gibbs fumble. 49ers go down, score a touchdown on that one. And then the very next drive after that, I think the Lions, there's a pass to Laporta. Could have caught it. Two hands on the ball, drops it. Reynolds. Next play, it's Reynolds. Straight after, uh, yeah. there was two plays back-to-back. Yeah. Reynolds, even easier, right in the hands, drops it on that one. 49ers then go down. And there was even a play on that drive. It might have been second or third down where Brock Purdy was dead 
to right. So he had a defensive lineman laying on his back, broke out of that, hits a sideline pass to a fullback. Beautiful two-tap one. Who's check? He's awesome. We can't just say fullback because he's amazing. He's better than that. And then they end up mm. going down getting a field goal. It's just like that passage of play, those couple of drives completely derailed everything. If they one or two of those plays don't go the way that they do, I think Detroit end up being far more competitive, possibly losing the game, uh, possibly winning the game. It was just extremely unsuccessful, well, unlucky for them, um, how that one played out. And they're in control for the better part of that game. But they came down, foot down, being aggressive, and it's just pedal to the metal. They know the way that they need to play with their defense is be extremely aggressive. That is what they did. It is just unfortunate for them that a couple of very, very insurmountable little things just did not fall their way. Yeah, it just happened in the blink of an eye that that period there. But yeah. everyone's gone on about everyone wants to pick a simple narrative out of the game. And a lot of people are Dan Campbell, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. He cost them. But I really I actually think every decision he made, apart from at the very end, mismanaging the clock and the timeouts. The timeout. I think every every decision I actually would agree with. So you're up 21 7. You're driving. Yeah. I love the fact that Detroit stayed aggressive. A lot of teams will be like, oh, we're in field goal range here. Let's like, let's get our lead to 17. Not Detroit. They got two extra first downs basically in the red zone. They converted a third and 18, where again, I'm saying a lot of teams wouldn't throw past the sticks there, but Detroit did. And another throw, I think both were to St. Brown, to get a first and goal at the seven. Now, unfortunately for Detroit, they could not capitalize and finish that drive with a touchdown. Then you mentioned Goff with a missed throw. I mean, he had a great game, but he missed a throw to Gibbs there in the end zone. Uh, and ultimately, it comes down to the final play of the first half with her at the three-yard line. So you could go for it, figuring you're close to 50-50 to score a touchdown, maybe a little worse, or you take the three. And why wouldn't Detroit go for it? They've been aggressive all year. But I I think kick the field goal there's the correct decision. You take the lead from 14 to 17. You don't give the Niners any chance to take any momentum out of that first half, which they would have got if they got a stop. And also, when you're already a big favor, you want to actually remove the variance and you want to actually play it safer where you can. And there's no advantage of going for it from the three and getting stopped and at least having the opponent backed up because it's the final play of the half. So that's fine. You get into the second half, you hold them to a field goal, you're up 14, driving into plus territory, you get to, I think, the 30. And that's where you have an opportunity on fourth and two to kick a field goal. Now, the previous play, they ran it with Amon Ross St. Brown got a rushing attempt. I really liked that because maybe you catch him by surprise, handing it off to a wide receiver. Should they have kicked the field goal? That's what everyone says. You've got to go up three scores. But it was no certainty that uh, the money badger is the is the field goal kicker there. No certainty he's going to kick that. His record outdoors was like not even 50-50 from 45 yards plus. It was a second-string kicker that tracked the first bloke. Right. And, and Detroit's yeah. the best team on fourth down in the NFL, just about uh, fourth and two. I think you've got a better chance of converting that than you do of kicking the field goal. Not only then are you even more likely to score and you might still end up with a field goal, but you might also get a touchdown, but you can take more time off the clock. So I think it's a totally fine decision. And the pass hits Reynolds' hands. That's the point as well. Everyone uh, criticizes the decision because it didn't work out. But if Reynolds catches that, nobody criticizes that decision. So if that was a bad drop. And as you said, I mean, I know that it's unlucky that the pass hit the cornerback's helmet. But just keep in mind, the ref had actually thrown a flag as well just prior to that. So it was going to be a PI, even if he like even if he picked it off or even if it didn't drop in um, into Ayuk's hands there. Regardless, it happened so quickly. It's 58 yards plat on that play. And San Fran suddenly, within seven, then you're getting nervous and you drop the ball with Gibbs the very next play. Uh, then, as you said, it's it's 
The drop pass by Reynolds again, which was brutal. After he'd already screwed up, he had to be doubly sure of making that catch on third down. He doesn't, which actually makes you fall behind. And then there's the final decision there when you're down three and you're at the 28. And once again, it's about two or three yards to pick up. Do you kick a field goal to tie the game? But I feel like momentum's just swung completely against you. Again, it's no gimme. I feel like you want to try and change the game. So although they didn't even get close on that conversion, I thought that was an understandable play. What wasn't understandable was running it inside the final minute when they had three timeouts. I think you have to play all four plays have to be passing plays. And if you score, you can still get the ball back and only need a field goal. Um, I, th- I think the run was okay, hitting? but you need to you need to have something on the back of it. But like it's if an you're all going or nothing. Try and, yeah, it, it, but well, you're saying you're going, run, but then straight away run the field goal. Straight away go back to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like calling a run and then calling a timeout, inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable because you end up getting the touchdown, but then you're down to two timeouts. They recover the onside kick, game's over. That's the end of it. You know what I mean? Yes. Like if, And he did it earlier in the game where I think it was like a third and 13 or something like that. Completely spread them out. Ben, um, ben Johnson called uh, like a draw on it and Gibbs ended up getting a run. So it was good. They caught him off guard. I think he tried to do it again, but calling the timeout ruined it. That was the end of it. Yeah, that's right. You can't let the game come down to an onside kick where now that since they've changed no. the rules, teams get it like less than 5% of the time. Lockie's in agreement there that that being the worst play, the run, um, going down to the onside kick. And then the fourth down, you actually take, you should probably kick a field goal there because it's game over if you don't score a touchdown. But they went super aggressive. And I, I just wonder if anyone out there bet early in the week and got San Fran minus six and a half and they're thinking that they're going to win by a touchdown because the Lions will kick a field goal on fourth down. The Lions went for it. Anyway, that was a crazy game. Sorry, we probably spent too long on that one. But one last chance to talk about another team that's not playing this weekend. Uh, what happened to Baltimore? And, I mean, you can, you can then turn that to the matchup we've got at hand by saying, how did the Chiefs impress you in getting that win against the number one seed in the AFC? Um, I, I honestly, I do not know. Like I, like I said, I, I lost a lot of bets on that one. The, <laughs> the amount of information that is out there at the moment for like the general public, for the betting community, for teams, and teams that have a more thorough, in-depth like package, I guess, handed to them that they pay for or whatever. The fact that some of these teams, and I've spoken about this that they're not as smart as what they should be. And I don't know whether it's ego that slides into this or whatever. Like everyone, everyone, everyone knows that the Chiefs' strength on defense was their pass defense. For the Ravens to run only a couple of times and even their scoring drive, the second drive of the game, Lamar run, I think Gus Edwards had, it was like a 13 or 14-yard run as well. Mm. They ended up hitting a um, touchdown pass to Flowers and then completely give up on it the rest of the game. But I think what sort of happens here is that the Chiefs are in this stratosphere what the Patriots were in and that during the regular season when teams play them teams give it their all because they're just like yeah we, we got to beat the defending champs we got to do this and they just play this awesome game and they end up winning and they're just like yeah perfect but that's not their Super Bowl that's not the Patriots Super Bowl that's not the Chiefs Super Bowl and then when it comes to the playoffs they're comfortable they've been here before and these teams just start to get really tense and get really tight and they freak out and they think every possession is important but the chiefs know right now that their strength is their defense and they put the foot down they got out there quick and i think that fucking screwed baltimore up a little bit the fact that you know um pat had these awesome drives and they're not sustainable like that like they were they were crazy passes the pop pass over to kelsey where he's diving and mm. caught his hands like that like that's not sustainable but i think that screwed the baltimore ravens up and they're like oh we're in a shootout they played aggressive the whole game 
if they just slowed down, if Lamar Jackson ran, if they just did their normal game plan, maybe it would have been closer. But like you have to give, you know, give the flowers to um, Spags, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, because there's two teams I think that are the best DVOA in history, and that's the 2007 Patriots. Uh, offense, defensively, special teams, and of course this year's Baltimore Ravens, and he is the defensive coordinator that upset both of them. So obviously with the Chiefs game last weekend, um, and in 2007 he was a defensive coordinator for the Giants when they upset the Patriots doing their undefeated season. He's he's a genius, you know. And with Spags, usually the thing with him is that during the season he's up and down. He might get torched by the pass, like he might get torched by the run, but he doesn't care because he wants to be able to to defend the pass because they're usually a passing team, but he's completely morphed that this year. The whole team's morphed it. Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, everyone's just slotted into this is who we are now. And he's been outstanding the whole season long. And the fact that, yes, they shut teams down the second half of games all season long. It's just who they are. Awesome. Awesome game. But everyone in the coaching staff for the Baltimore Ravens should just be lined up and shot. (laughs) The Undertaker there says that uh, Monken... I uh, was uh, calling that game in a clown suit. And he said, bloody well said, Neddy. And I, I agree. Like, that's such a great point that you made there about the fact that when you are the Super Bowl champions and multiple uh, in the 2020s, that you get everyone's best shot. You don't get easy weeks. And it's such a grueling competition and such a physical competition. And everyone's up for the game when they play you. And that that's partly why the Chiefs, you know, lost six games this year but they still came into the playoffs and beat the number two and the number three in the AFC in their house, which was, of course, the question mark. Could they win a road playoff game that hadn't yet under the Mahomes era? And it wasn't wasn't really their fault. The majority of those playoff games had been at Arrowhead, but then they came one on the road back-to-back weeks. I didn't see it coming either, and I, I do think the Ravens abandoned the run a lot. You said you give your flowers to Spagnolo, you know, out of the game. It was easy for people to pick uh, Zay Flowers as the – scapegoat there to me um giving up the taunting penalty was stupidity and the crazy thing is when he caught that ball on Snead, he probably should have scored like in the open field you got one man to beat like it's a great effort to get into the ground then the yeah. taunting backs you up but then he still comes up with a great play like in terms of catching the slant and nearly getting in and it's easy to say oh that was so stupid he fumbled at the one he had two hands on it. I would much rather just say what an unbelievable defensive play by Snead to get the last laugh and to punch that out. Like sometimes you can force a fumble and the offensive player didn't do that much wrong. I know you've got to be extra protective of the ball, but that's the fine margins in this. You know, the, the Chiefs win the game by seven, had less yards, but that's seven off the board there. Um, just because of the way that rule works, that uh, if you lose the ball going into the end zone, it's there, it goes over to the opponent there. So... Uh, well, it was, it was recovered in any case by, by the Chiefs. Yeah, it was recovered. But I, w- I will say two things. One, let the boys taunt, all right? They're slowly letting them, <laughs> like, dance and all that sort of stuff. It's the fucking AFC Championship game. These two teams have to hate each other. They're allowed to hate each other. They were pushing and shoving at the start of the game. Travis Kelsey's kicking bloody Justin Tucker's kicking T out of the way. It's fine. No one's shooting guns. It's completely fine. Like, just let them not like each other. The taunting... Let that go. Yes, there's that thing, whatever. You probably shouldn't have dived. Like, he probably should have just gone down. And we've spoken about it plenty of times. My favorite rule in the NFL at the moment is literally if the ball goes out of bound in the end zone, it's a turnover on downs. They're literally reviewing it of possibly changing it next year. Greatest rule in sports. It is mayhem. It is chaos. It is the defensive team. It's the defensive side's area to defend. 
if you drop it, if you fuck up, if it goes out, you shouldn't get the ball back. I think it is a great rule. I know this one didn't go out. Great play by Snead. But yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's on our mind that. because that happened to the Chiefs the week before. But the crazy thing yeah. is it's the most brutal play when you are an inch from scoring, but because you let go of it, it's the other team's ball in the 20. But let's not forget the Chiefs overcame that. That went against them in Buffalo. And they still yeah. won as an underdog there. So they were on both sides of it in uh, consecutive weeks. You know, I think that the Ravens played close to their worst game and it was pretty inexcusable because, as you said, uh, statistically just about the most dominant side ever in the regular season. You get a bye in the first week of the playoffs while the Chiefs were battling, albeit Miami um, didn't have much left to offer. Then you get a walkover second half against Houston while the Chiefs played an epic in Buffalo. It's just all set up for the Ravens. I think their biggest home game in franchise history because I don't think they'd ever hosted the AFC. Never hosted the AFC Championship. And, yeah, I thought that was so disappointing. But there is the element that you can only play as well as your opponent lets you. So you've got to give a lot of credit um, to Kansas City despite the fact I do think, and and that's going to feed into my handicap, I do think that um, things just didn't go Baltimore's way and they were off their game. And and it is... um, Perplexing that that your running backs can ha- get a total of six carries. Okay, let's turn our attention to the matchup at hand. Plenty of bets and tips to come from me, and I'm sure Nettie's got plenty of uh, as well as um plenty of angles to look at and set the table for everybody ahead of this massive matchup. So it is the 49ers. They were the one seed. They went 12 and five in the regular season. They play the Chiefs, who went 11 and six, good for the three seed. San Francisco are a dollar 75 head to head. Chiefs 210. The line is San Fran minus two, the total 47, and the game is at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Uh, Nettie, an initial kind of thought on the game before I fully lay my my cards out on the table, which way I'm going for this one. Well, I want to I wanna ask you this, right? Because you're, you've been doing this for a lot longer than what I have. You're probably better at this than what I am. So explain to me like from what we've seen even in the playoffs is like there's an experienced team in the chiefs they've beaten the bills who were upstart or possibly coming in hot they've beaten the ravens who completely demolished the san francisco 49ers and yes obviously beat miami as well bills miami both incredibly injured right san francisco barely beat the packers barely beat the lions how come in your mind how come in your mind it's two possibly two and a half Niners. I want to know that. What's your What's your view? You yeah you would you would think so. You're saying when you ask me to explain it, like why isn't it Pickham or why aren't the Chiefs favourite? Yeah, is that yeah. kind of well? Yeah, Basically, okay. Yeah. So so I think yeah I think all season. Well, especially once the Niners turned it around because they did lose three games kind of mid season. But I'm going to talk about maybe why they lost those games and when they went on that run. And uh, the opponents they were beating and the magnitude of some of these wins, they were the highest power-rated team in the NFL. Remember, Baltimore went into San Francisco on Christmas Day, and that line, I think, was as high as six and a half. So I know it's a home game for San Fran, but that's telling you that San Fran was power-rated like four points better than Baltimore, as good as Baltimore was. Now, Baltimore won that. So you can say San Fran weren't as good as we thought maybe then, but also Ravens got upgraded. I think by the time we went into the playoffs, the Ravens and the Niners were the two highest power-rated teams. Now you're saying, well, the Chiefs have done a lot to probably upgrade their power rating because they proved people wrong who thought they'd lose in Buffalo and in Baltimore, and they won both those games, while San Fran's been unconvincing. 
I think it's brought these two teams together. I think if, like, if San Fran and KC had met on a neutral venue before the playoffs, I think the line's fall. So I think that there has been an upgrade of the Chiefs. And I do think the market's pretty sophisticated. They're just not, they're not willing to downgrade San Francisco yet. And is that a mistake? You know, the people who are on the Chiefs um, are going to say the Chiefs should be favourites. Like, how can we keep disrespecting Pat Mahomes, making him an underdog? But the, the overlying stats of the season are still going to tell you San Fran is the stronger team and we'll get to it as well, maybe the slightly healthier team. It's just scary when you look back, though, because you've got what the Rams, where everyone was putting their backups in. You've got Washington Commanders. You've got Baltimore. They got smoked. Then you've got Arizona, Seattle, Philadelphia, who we know what happened to them after they went through their sort of death run there. Seattle, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville. And then you go back to week eight against Cincinnati, which had Joe Burrow smoked. It's just that's not a murderer's row. It's just it's bizarre to me. It's strange. I don't know. Yeah, uh, no, I get you. Yeah, I get you. Get and people, it. you know, people will um will kind of follow the narrative they want to follow. So I mean, I'll talk more probably about that losing streak and what I put that down to. But you know, smashing Jacksonville at the time, people thought Jacksonville might have been the one seed or in the running for the one seed in the AFC. They smashed Dallas right this year. They smashed Philadelphia when people still believed in Philly. Uh, they smashed. The Seahawks, or maybe not Smash, but I believe they beat them by about 12, um, you know, double-digit win when the no, Seahawks were considered. That's a smashing. Okay, yeah, and um, and that they were considered a playoff team. So they basically did no wrong um, from yeah. the mid-point of the season onwards because, yeah, they lost to the Rams in Week 18, but the one was one seed was um, sewn up and uh, everyone played backups. So you can really – oh, sorry, apart from apart from the uh, the Baltimore game, which was the, the blip where – Purdy lost uh, his MVP shot there. And look, they had a bad night. But I guess the one thing you can say about the loss to Baltimore by San Francisco, we nearly got a rematch, but as we know, uh, the Ravens drops it. The one thing you can say is just how good Baltimore were. I mean, Jackson was the MVP. And like you said, by DVOA, the second strongest team only to the unbeaten Patriots in the modern era. Yeah. So, again, you can make excuses there, like, for losses. On that game there, I'd touch on it as well. Like, I think... I think they just got like Ravens just steamrolled them. Like 49ers came out with a bad game plan against it. And then the Ravens just do what they do. Like they're extremely good front runners. And I think it just caught the 49ers by surprise. And they just went, all right, fucking what, whatever. Let's just move on for that one. And I'm going to put my cards on the table now. I'm not going to go through the whole preview and try and get people guessing. I think it's going to become very evident. I think. San Francisco are going to win the Super Bowl and win it well. And you said that they're front-running, something they haven't been able to do because they fell behind in both of their previous playoff games, and that forced them to play suboptimally and not the way that they want to play. The identity of this team is they run the ball down your throat and then you're trying to react to stop the run. You can't stop it because it's such a good offensive line, such damaging running backs with such a great uh, offensive scheme and then when you do try and get out front of the run then they hit you with a play action or a drop back and then the wide receivers and obviously the backs can catch it as well and they've got a great tight end and they're hurting you and they're basically unstoppable offensively when they get to play on their terms but I think it's pretty impressive that they didn't get to play on their terms the last two playoff games and they showed they could still win playing from behind I think there's something to be said for your opponent knows you've got to pass and you still can have success passing and then defensively playing with a lead, the team's built for that because they've got such a damaging defensive line that can get after you if you're have to, if you in a lot of obvious passing downs. So I think that 
we haven't seen San Fran play their best. Like you said it there. Ravens got behind and panicked and went out of went away from what made them great. Well, so San Fran has had to as well because of the game scripts scripts they've found themselves in. But I just think if it's a more of an even game or if San Fran is actually in front, I don't know if the Chiefs can come back. So I'm putting it out there that I'm actually going to pick a pretty big San Fran win. And my reasoning as well, part of it is feel, I've got to admit, but I want to talk about three or four particular games. And some people are going to say these games just as much make the case for Kansas City as they do for the 49ers. But I'm trying to think, what does this game remind me of? Have I seen this game before? Yeah, I have seen this game before. I saw this game four years ago. The odds were identical. The odds were basically identical. Uh, San Fran and, and um, Kansas City, basically a pick em game. And I was riding Kansas City that year 13 to 1. I got on the perfect time early in the year and people really weren't onto Mahomes. You go back to the – I got Alexi on my shirt. I mean, Alex was onto Mahomes in his first year starting, saying this guy, I think he's a real deal. And although the Chiefs didn't make the Super Bowl their first year, they came so close. That's the D Ford offsides game. Uh, and I said to Alex, we've got to be on the Chiefs next year. Like, if a couple of things had gone their way, they would have never lost a game. And uh, so I rode the Chiefs all year. But in that Super Bowl, I, I, as I was watching it, it just became clear to me, San Fran's just too superior and too physical. It doesn't matter that this is Mahomes against Garoppolo. San Fran's just too strong for him. Now, the Chiefs did come back and win that game, win by 11, but there's a very late touchdown breakaway there. But really, if they don't convert that third and 15 wasp play to Tyreek Hill, I think they lose that Super Bowl. So you can give all the credit to San, uh, to Kansas City for coming back, or you can say if we play that game out more, more times, should San Fran have been favoured in that one? I kind of feel like maybe they should have. 2021, we knew that Pat Mahomes had an injured toe. We knew the offensive line was decimated, and we knew that they were going up against Tom Brady, but we couldn't overlook it. Everybody had uh, Kansas City as the favourite. They were a field goal favourite in that Super Bowl. When you watch it play out, they were out physical and they couldn't match uh, Tampa Bay. And, you know, in hindsight, they lost the game by three touchdowns. Tampa Bay should have been favourites. I uh, look at 2022 where the Chiefs didn't make the Super Bowl, but they did win one of the most memorable playoff games ever in Buffalo. Like, I want, don't want to take credit away from them because you've got to make the plays to, to win the game there. But, geez, they're 13 seconds away from losing that game in Buffalo. You know, and they did lose the next week to Cincinnati. And then last year... It was a similar game because I think you can draw a lot of similarities between Philadelphia and San Francisco in terms of the style of team and like a dominant um, defense, great running game, great offensive line. And what were the odds in the Super Bowl last year? Philly was just a slight favorite as well. So kind of Kansas City was like about $2.05. And, and it's another one of those games, as we know how it turned out, that Mahomes won as an underdog. But, I mean, you, you had to have uh, a defensive touchdown. You know, you had to have a very questionable call at the, at the end of the game to avoid um, maybe overtime. So it's like it feels like the Chiefs more often than not have pulled out these wins, which builds this uh, this legacy and narrative that that's what they do. I don't know if you can always sustain that. You know, as I said, even last week, everyone's talking about how bad the Ravens were. They had more yards. They dropped a, a touchdown, at, you know, an inch out where they fumbled one. Like, uh, I think the Chiefs might not be as great as everyone thinks they are in their mind. And I know how amazing Pat Mahomes is, but he could be under a lot more pressure than what people expect in this game. 
that therefore he may not be able to play up to his ability because you can only play as well as uh, your opponent can let you. Yeah, like I, I think they're great points, Ben. And like if everyone keeps banging on about the Chiefs' defense and they have been playing outstanding, but um, and we touched on this, I think, in the playoff preview. Um, I'm going to pad pat myself on the back for this one. Like I gave out Christian McCaffrey to be the Super Bowl MVP at eleven dollars, right? And that's shortened down to five dollars at some spots because for me, I thought possibly it might be the Bills, it might be the Ravens, and the, the weaknesses of those defense. And as it turns out, Chiefs are in here now. The weakness of their defense is opposing teams' run game. Right, So that's the reason I picked on that one. And when you have a look even back through the schedule of this one, so the Kansas City Chiefs, they actually haven't played very strong rushing attacks and their rush defense actually still ranks towards the bottom. And yes, their defense as a whole ranks high, but again, you roll back through their schedule. So we got Los Angeles Chargers with the Eastern Stake. You got Cincinnati, obviously no Joe Burrow. Las Vegas, they lost that one. New England Patriots, Buffalo, Green Bay, Las Vegas, Philadelphia, Miami, Denver, Los Angeles, Denver. And they split the Denver win and losses on that one. That's not a murderer's row of offenses. And it's different with Cincinnati that don't have Joe Burrow in there. The loss to Las Vegas, that was the Aiden O'Connell one as well. Yes, the defense is playing well. I'm not disputing that. I think it's still good. But I think there is definitely overation in that one. And I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I just keep going back to the well on this one personally because I was on Shanahan for the Falcons game. Um, Falcons Super Bowl against the Patriots. I was on Shanahan for the Niners like against the Chiefs. Lost that one as well. <laughs> and I'm more than likely going to be on him on this one as well. Like it's, it weighs in per, uh, perfectly for them to do what they do to be able to attack the Kansas City Chiefs. And like, like we said before, like the Ravens, if they played their natural game plan, we would have seen possibly the Chiefs on the back foot a little bit more. But because they didn't, is that why we're being skewed a little bit? Is that why we're thinking the Chiefs' defense is better than what it actually is? Like, you know, sometimes it's a perfect matchup. And what we saw with Detroit, their offense is awesome. They have a great offensive line. And the uh, 49ers, they weren't getting that much pressure on that one. And they were able to attack. So... Who knows? Maybe this one weighs up a little bit better. Maybe they can attack a little bit better. Maybe they just get Christian McCaffrey just hitting all the time on the outside on that one, which is where the Chiefs are the weakest on the outside against the rush. Well, since you're talking uh, about Shanahan and his play calling and mentioned McCaffrey there and, and how good are the Chiefs' defense, let's talk about that side of the ball. So let's talk about when the 49ers are on offense – what are you looking for? What do you think the key is there? And actually uh, roll that into kind of any bets you either made already or are looking to make in terms of the 49ers on offense. So it could be, you know, player props, anytime touchdowns, team total, anything. Just talk about when the 49ers possess the football. Uh, the main one for me is exactly that. Like they're going to need to lean more towards the run, right? And it's obvious because the best player – maybe on offense for them is Christian McCaffrey. And like they pulled him off. Sorry, that's funny. Pulled him off at um, the end of the game last week to rest him. He is going to get a full workload in this one. It is going to be running. It is going to be aggressive. For someone like Brandon Ayuk, and we've made a lot of money on him this year, he's going to be matched up against Ladarius Sneed. Um, it's a tough matchup for him. So he's run 82% of routes this season on the outside. That's where Ladarius Sneed is going to be. And the Chiefs have allowed just 6.7 yards per target to boundary wide receivers this year, which is second best in the NFL. 51% catch rate allowed, second best in the NFL, and 1,311 receiving yards allowed 
fourth there. So I've gone Brandon Ayuk under four and a half for Seppos. I think they're going to use Christian McCaffrey the most. I think something like possibly a George Kittle, uh, longest reception, good. And I think someone like Debo who moves around a hell of a lot, they're the ones to go after. So Sneed, McDuffie, you want to stay away from those guys ever having incredible seasons. I wouldn't be surprised, and I know you and me have spoken about this, I don't want to steal your thunder on it, where they just, 49ers just muddy the water. They just get in there, they just get in the mud, and they just punch them in the mouth over and over and just keep running. Because we've seen it. Christian McCaffrey, when he was at Carolina, he can handle the workload. He can sit there all day long. He can rush. He can receive infinite stamina. It's just who he is. That's how I believe they attacked this Kansas City Chiefs one. There's not a lot of passing, not a lot of deep stuff. I just think there's a lot of misdirection, a lot of movement, a lot of rushing, a lot of tricks. Kyle Shanahan, possibly second best play caller in the NFL. I see it similarly. So I think the Niners absolutely feed McCaffrey and then everything else is going to open up on the back of that. You don't need to save him for anything. And this is, you know, McCaffrey, one of the great players, one of the great offensive players we've ever seen. He's going to win offensive player of the year. And I think Kyle in the comment wrote legacy game. Like some of these players are so good. Uh, you said you said best player on their offense, and then you kind of checked yourself possibly because Devo Samuel's on this offense. Trent Williams is on this offense. George Kittle, you know, no one's saying Brock Purdy's the best player on the offense, but he was the favorite to win the MVP most of the year, right? So they're stacked, but none of these guys have won the Super Bowl, right? Like, they're never going to have a better chance than they've got right now. And I think these guys look around the locker room and realize, like, they're so good. I think they've all just got this singular focus. And that's not to say um, Kansas City wants it any less, but – and they, obviously they know what it's all about. And, uh, again, Sieb's comments there, maybe they're just one of these teams that just does enough. And there's definitely an element of that, that they do save themselves for when the lights are the brightest. But I still think – even if you say that, oh, Kansas City just pulls just enough to win. When they have won a lot of these big games, Kansas City, they're still winning them narrowly. And I just don't feel like you can control that every game. And I don't think every game's going to go your way. So looking on offense, uh, you know, I do think that San Fran will go to their best players often. Uh, it's hard to pick, you know, who's going to have the success. Ayuk was a great bet last week when you didn't know maybe the health of Debo and Ayuk had a big day out. But now we've seen Debo came back and he's got two weeks um, to recover. You also got to be careful when you're betting like rushing props. Think, oh, McCaffrey's going to have a massive game and you might bet him rushing over. I think he's around the 90-yard mark. He might catch a screen pass and take it for 50 yards. Like it's always annoying when you back yeah. someone rushing and they get a long receiving. And it's the same thing with Debo. You could back him. I think his receiving yards is around 55 and he might go over for Debo and then he'll take an end around 40 yards and so I actually am gonna I'm gonna advise taking Debo and McCaffrey both over their combined rushing and receiving so if I jump ahead to that Debo's combined rushing plus receiving 75 and a half McCaffrey plus uh, rushing plus receiving 125 and a half because I know the volume will be there I know that they're going to empty the barrel with their best plays if they're behind, they keep, keep going to their best players. If they're in front, you just don't want to give uh, Kansas City any breathing space. You're going to keep going for it. You're going to keep giving it to guys. And, in fact, if the game goes the way I think and the Niners play from in front, then you want to kind of limit your risk somewhat. You don't want to throw the ball too far down the field. But the beauty of Debo and McCaffrey as much as anyone in the league, they can catch a ball from behind the line of scrimmage and still make it an explosive play. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And like for me personally, that's why I went the Ayuk 
receptions under because the type of player that he is, he's been successful all season long. Is that, and we saw it last week. Like I think we, I think I played his receiving yards over last week. We're unsuccessful in that. Like he can get a bomb any day of the week. Like it's just who he is. Like he's extremely aggressive. He can go downfield. I just think the four and a half is the better one to attack on that one. Um, Debo, hundred percent. Like he is just, he's a machine. Like a, I remember this so much is that I think there was an episode you and I did maybe two or three years ago where you said you're like, he's not built like you and I. And you see it every time he gets the ball. I think he leads the league in um, yak and he's one spot over Rasheed Rice, who interestingly is in this game as well. Um, and as you say, man, perfectly. He's just not built like you and I. Every time he gets the ball, Superhuman. break tackle, and he's just an absolute animal. And like it, Again, it's a heart versus head game for me because I look at the Iukes, Debo's, Greg Kittle, fucking George Kittle, sorry, um, Trent Williams, McCaffrey. These guys play the game the right way. They do it perfectly all the time. Like I put videos where Iukes blocking down the field, 80 yards down the field. Like these guys play it perfectly. They deserve a Super Bowl. Not to say that, you know, some people some people have won Super Bowls that don't deserve Super Bowls. That's Trent Dilfer, whatever. We can have that discussion as well. But <laughs> How did I know you, you were going to say Trent Dilfer? Because <laughs> everyone refers to Trent Dilfer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. But, yeah, like you watch you watch the 49ers, man. They're, they are. They're outstanding. And, like, you you can look at Shanahan in this thing of, like, he, he crumbles in the big game, right? But you look at the Patriots-Falcons one, like one of the best catches in Super Bowl history was to Julio Jones on the sideline, but it came back because it was a penalty. You know what I mean? Like it was this toe-tap one on the sideline and then that was when there was a holding one and then it came back and then he it was caught a sack. It. And... He, yeah, he, he caught, caught it, it. But they were holding a play later. It, okay, it so the play later was they the holding one. Yeah, them in field goal range. People forget they yeah. should have, of course, like they should have won. Yeah, but, that, but then it was, yeah, the Jack Matthews holding. Range, and it was followed by a sack and a holding and then they couldn't kick the field goal and they were only up yeah. eight. And I'm sure people know the rest is history there. And then, and then there's the same thing. So you think about the um, the first game where it's the 49ers and the Chiefs. Like they had them, they completely had them. And then there's that famous play where it's like 49 wasp or something like that, where right. literally, yeah, like so literally is like Pat Mahomes on the sideline with Eric Bieniemy, and they're just like, have we got time to run wasp? And then it is literally a comeback one, and they hit who um, Tyree Kill on the left hand side. Yeah, and it's just it's just unlucky like that. It's just the 49ers had it like. Kyle Shanahan is literally one of the best play callers I've ever seen. Is he just most unlucky? I don't know. Yeah, I think when you when you're in position to win those games, it's easy to say in retrospect that they failed or whatever. I mean, you go back to the Falcons Super Bowl, and I think one of the plays that kills him is uh is Matt Ryan gets strip sacked there. So it's like, why are you dropping back and passing when at that stage you're still up 16? But then they, should they have been more conservative? Should they have just tried to run it more? But then you get too conservative, the opponent knows what you're going to do. You're so much easier yep. to shut down. So I feel like people will criticise you no matter what. You've just got to stick to your principles there. But they came very close. I, I don't really buy the whole people got, oh, Shanahan teams can never come back if they're down by more than seven going into the fourth quarter. And, of course, I think they were down ex- exactly seven when they played yeah. Green Bay. Um, and they did come back. But the stat still remains, oh, but they weren't down more than seven. Or whether they're down 17 to the Lions, oh, but it wasn't yeah. fourth quarter. It's like, well, we have seen them come back, actually. We've seen them win the dominant game, too. Exactly. Um, and Which yeah. I'm doing to an extent because I'm making the case for the Niners. I appreciate you're here kind of um, also saying why the Chiefs can win, and we're going to get to the Undertaker's tip. So, and I want to hear in the comments, too, which way are people going. Um, we talked about the Niners on offense. It would be remiss of me not to mention the Chiefs, though, like the Chiefs' defense, right? So 
the best they've ever had to pair with Mahomes, no doubt. Spagnolo, fantastic year for sure. But I just think great offense can trump great defense in a dome. So I think they've got great players out there, but the, the Niners might just with their scheme and with their playmakers might just be a little bit better and a little bit better over a, a bunch of drives. Uh, I can just see the Niners building mo- momentum and being very hard to stop. Uh, I really looked back closely at the Chiefs this season to see how they went against the best offenses. Like they didn't get to play Dallas, who had the best offense statistically. They did play Miami twice, but didn't have to play Miami in Miami. They played Buffalo twice. Look, they gave up 20 in a loss and 24 in a win. So they didn't totally shut them down. Uh, But playing the Ravens on the road, obviously that was super impressive last week. But again, did the Ravens just lay an egg? Played the Lions in week one, held them to 21, but lost. Played the Philly, played Philly, and I think Philly only scored 20 as well, but it was in Kansas City and they lost. So, like, you didn't play San Fran, who's the other team that's a top seven offense that I haven't mentioned there. So I think San Fran, with full full health uh, and also with two weeks to prepare, is, is the best offense in the league, is better than anyone that the Chiefs faced so far. And, in fact... The Niners had the most yards of any team apart from Miami this year, and it was just less than Miami. And you've got to remember the Niners rested everyone in Week 18 because they had the luxury to do that. Let's talk about as well how the Niners lost five games this year. So one is a throwaway. They didn't need Week 18. One's to Baltimore, who we just said is one of the best teams, regular season teams we've ever seen. And then the three in a row, you had no Debo or Trent Williams you know, two of the best offensive players in the league. And it was the offense that that really hurt him. And still one of those games is at, at Cleveland and you're a short field goal away from uh, winning that one as well. So I kind of, I can excuse those losses when they got healthy and then considering how dominantly they did play after after that uh, bad spell. Let's move to... Sorry to jump in on you here, but like, have you seen, there's been a lot of stuff that's come out recently, like the difference in the offense when Debo's in and out of the offense. It's something ridiculous. Like the, it's almost like two yards per play when he's in and out of the mm. offense because they have a long, like, uh, what is, and like I think a big it's similar with Trent Williams as well. Yeah, it's absurd. And, and like, and they were Trent both Williams, out. Yeah. And like, the Trent Williams one, like you can and you can't. Like sometimes you can hide a good left tackle, but it's just that is the strength of their offense, and that's what they do. But the Debo one is just it's insane. It doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Like a wide receiver shouldn't make that much of an impact. That's not a Randy Moss or a Teller Owens or whatever like that. And you don't even now like if a Justin Jefferson, whatever. It like it doesn't have the same impact of what those guys used to have. Like. Debo Samuel, like you don't even put him in the same category as those sort of guys. But the fact that this, you know, the stats are there, the evidence is there that he makes a massive impact on that offense of what they want to do week in, week out. And if he's not there, they just struggle. Strange. And, it, and it's his versatility too. When you see them in the huddle, you don't actually know is he going to line up in the backfield? Is he going to line up as a wide receiver? Same for Christian McCaffrey, you know. So Shanahan talked about that, that when Debo went out the first quarter against Green Bay, like it, it reduced the playbook and it made yeah. them less threatening. And they still came up with. And- uh, you could, you could see that. They like, to win that, but I think it was their first two drives. Like he was featured heavily. I think he had maybe like four targets in the first two drives. He was their game plan. Like if he gets hurt and goes out, that screws teams up. Like it doesn't matter who it is. Like doesn't matter what team it is. Everyone has roughly a game plan that they want to feature someone around. Like if they get hurt, that'll that'll buckle anyone. 
let's talk about Chiefs on offense now. Uh, again, just any bets you've got on that side of the ball and what you think the key is to winning or success on that matchup. Um, for them, like we spoke about this before um, the playoffs even kicked off, is that the Chiefs are just the fucking Chiefs. It is who they are. You cannot quantify it. You cannot put it down to it. It's just, it's just what they do. Like I think for them, being the offense that they are at the moment, it is sorry. Um, it is going to be mostly a run-heavy game plan for them. Um, for me, I've played an Isaiah Pacheco longest reception under for that one under ten and a half on bet three six five dollar eighty three. I know this isn't run-heavy orientated, but he has six receptions of eleven and a half yards or longer. Um, and for the Chiefs perspective, there's no reason for them to um, increase his usage in this personnel as well. So you have a look. People that might interfere with this and make his um, receiving upside be higher, they're all healthy. Like you have fucking whatever else, um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, et cetera, in there. So he isn't going to get more usage in this one. The Niners' defense as well, they're around average at defending running back passes on this. They've allowed 10 or more um, yards to running backs and 25% of receptions and narrowly above the league average of 24%. So like I said, there's no um, reason for a spike one on this. Yes, you can lose it, but whatever. For the Chiefs' offense as a whole, man, it is literally going to come down to just experience and comfortability. You know what I mean? Like in these ones, everyone tightens up and everyone plays a certain way. I just think the Chiefs can be comfortable. And Andy Reid is fucking Andy Reid. He's going to find a little wrinkle. He's going to try and do something. And the last two or three weeks, like every other week of the season, we've spoken about the Chiefs um, wide receivers are being extremely inexperienced and bad and unfortunate and offside and standing in the wrong spot, et cetera, et cetera. The last two weeks, last two weeks they haven't made a mistake everyone's forgiven them but can they continue to do that all throughout the playoffs can they continue to do that in the big game it's mostly been a lot of attacking in the what do you say like in the conference championship game with him and kelsey this is pat mahomes and kelsey um and it was lucky man it was i shouldn't say it was lucky but there's a lot of pop passes etc etc where they it's not sustainable it's not what they can do um, I've also seen that Jacob's dropped out right now. So this is going to be interesting. But I will jump in here and I will attack something that I've spoken about as well. So for me, with betting, being the Super Bowl, there are a lot of bets that you can jump on. And it is endless, endless, endless all year, all season long. The first bet that I attacked was actually a punting one. Chiefs' longest punt over 54.5 and bet 365 for $1.83. And the Niners' longest punt over 55.5 and bet 365 for $1.76. Wish right? So he has gone over this in 14 of 19 games for 73%. And he is super important to get that 55.5 because on 56, he's actually hit that five of this last 15. Sorry. Um, went, sorry, five of the 15 actually went for exactly 56 yards. So it's very important to get over 55 and a half. Um, and the reason for this as well, like the Ali Allegiant Stadium, which I will say is the um, Las Vegas Raiders Stadium, um, it's actually boosted punting average 2.7% over the last three seasons. So, for example, a punter with 47 average typically averages 48.3 yards per punt. Um, and yes, this is subjective, but Wisnowski, he's played two games indoors this season and has punts of 60-plus in both of those games and averaged three punts per game, but is expected to punt around four times. He's got an extra punt in this one um, because it's expected to be a defensive matchup as well. So 32% of punts have cleared 55 and a half on this one. And look at that. 
I perfectly finished the segment as when he comes back in. Boom. Fucking hell. Send it. My computer (laughs) crashed, right? Which has never happened to me. You know, the whole, oh, this never happens to me. I just assumed that the feed died. So I was like messaging you like, shit, sorry, my computer crashed. Like, I didn't know this was still going. And I was only jumping in here to see if I could still uh, salvage the file. So well done. You You, you kept the ship You missed the best part, mate. We're talking about punters. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. Well, then let me let me carry on. Sorry, my apologies, guys. That's never happens. Just to totally shut the bed. Hopefully, my tip. Have you shut down same. the Pornhub screen? I've got to keep a couple of tabs open, but I've reduced the number of tabs. Now, sorry. Now you got to forgive me if I double up too much, but these are just my points. I had Chiefs on offense. I mean, Thuni unlikely to play. Like they, I know that the Chiefs O line held up well, like, remarkably against Baltimore and a team that led the league in sacks, but. It's a tall task doing it again against San Francisco. You know, we know what their defensive line is capable of. Uh, Kelsey, Travis Kelsey had a modest season on the field, right? We all know about Offit. But I was questioning, you know, he's just not the same player. And everyone talked about the Chiefs wide receivers this year were letting Patty down. And I was thinking it's also Kelsey's not the same player. But I was proven wrong in the playoffs. He has been phenomenal in the playoffs. The thing is that, that he's the number one on the game plan for uh, 40, the 49ers to shut down. Can you shut down Pacheco? I think you can put a lot of bodies in front of him. He's a beast and he runs angry, I understand. And then another reason that the Chiefs have gotten so much better in the second half of the season is Rasheed Rice becoming a real wide receiver one, uh, which has elevated the Chiefs' offense. But again, I think there's limited weapons on the Chiefs' side of the equation. So the Sam Fran can you know game plan a bit more there. And, of course, there's Patrick himself. I don't need to say too much about Mahomes. I'm as big a fan as anybody, so I'm terrified betting against him. Uh, But I think this is as good an opportunity as you're going to get to do so. Uh, I've got some player prop bets for the Chiefs. So I don't want to play any Chiefs receivers over because I think that the D-line is going to be after Patty all game long. I do think Mahomes is going to force feed uh, Travis Kelsey no matter what so I would play Kelsey over six and a half receptions because I could see him being kind of allowed to catch the ball underneath multiple times but less explosives that the Niners might give up so I don't necessarily want Kelsey over on yards and then I've got how many here I've got three different bets on Mahomes I will play him over on rushing 25 and a half so I think in the highest leverage games, especially when the offense is struggling, Mahomes has to take matters into his own hands. And somewhat to disjoint the pass rush is to take off with it yourself or when you're under pressure and nobody's open, you're going to try and run. And what I think about Mahomes, he's a deceptive athlete, but he's a master when it comes to psyching out the defenders. Nobody games it better than Mahomes when he scrambles. He knows they can't smash him. He kind of weaves and starts to get low. He kind of dummies like he's going to give himself up, but in a Super Bowl, he won't. He tiptoes the sideline and he grabs every extra yard, and then he knows that he's going to get a bump at the end and he sucks in that 15-yard penalty. So I think Mahomes maximizes his rushes over 25 and a half, and I'd play over uh, longest rush over 11 and a half as well. Nettie, do you remember what happened in 2020 in the Super Bowl with the Mahomes rushing prop? That was like a whole story in itself. Yes, I do. I remember it very good. And it <laughs> rung me with Josh Allen, I think, two or three weeks ago as well. Exactly the same situation. Not Maybe as, not um, exactly because it, it was so extreme. Yeah. 
So I just want to remind people, 2020, same two teams playing. And again, Mahomes, one of his many strings to his bow is that he can be mobile. His over-under rushing started also around 25 and a half, but it was bet up through the week and it was bet all the way up to about 35 and a half, Mahomes rushing. In the game, he had plenty of effective runs. He had 45 runs when the Chiefs were up 11 with the last minute of the game. Now, when a quarterback kneels, we know that you lose a yard or two. And I've literally given out like a 60 to 1 uh, same game multi that lost because Baker Mayfield lost six yards in the final three uh, plays and went from like 14 rushing yards to eight or whatever. No, he went from like four, he needed like four rushing yards and he um, had like eight and then went down to two, basically. Anyway, Mahomes did these prolonged. Neils, where he went oh, minus five, that. minus three, minus eight. He lost 18 yards. So maybe I don't know if those numbers add up, but it was it was fourth and 18. He lost 18 yards, 16, I'm sorry, 16 on the final three plays. He went from 45 to 29, which means, again, the beauty of getting the best number available. Had you backed Mahomes early in the week, you may have uh, actually still won that. But if you got on him any time, from 30 to 35 rushing yards, you lost in the most brutal fashion. So I would go back to the well, play that over 25 and a half. I would play Mahomes under passing 262. I think Mahomes pass attempts, I don't want to bet under because he could have a lot of passing attempts. But passing yards, I would go under Paddy Mahomes 262 for the same reason that I don't trust the Chiefs receivers and I do consider the San Fran defensive line as good as any in the game. And the other one I would bet to is Mahomes interception, yes. And that's around even money. Ooh. Best price I've seen, about dollar eighty-six, because I think he's going to force it. He's going to force some balls there, which means there's a chance of an intercept. But also when you're under a lot of pressure by the D-line, you can get hit as you're throwing. So I think that San Fran are going to get there, get more than enough chances to get a hand on the ball. So I can see an intercept for Patty there. So I know these are all kind of negative. You don't have to play every single player I'm suggesting. Because if it doesn't go the way I predict, you know, a lot of these could lose. Uh, but they're all different ways to get at my opinion, which is a dominant uh, San Fran performance. Have you got any other kind of player props? I've got a same game multi I want to share as well. But any other kind of bets that you've got left to share or did you already share them? No, I spoke about the Pacheco longest reception, Ayuk under. I spoke about a couple of punters while you are away. But I will say, like, speaking on player props, like, Anyone that um, watched last week's episode, yep. Um, one of my, excuse me, sorry, I just had to scull that beer. Thanks, Jones. Um, so I I played, one of my favorite bets of the week last week was Christian McCaffrey under 19 and a half rush attempts. And when I did my pod, it actually drifted down to 18 and a half. And I said, kill it. Stop. Don't do it because it's very wire thin. It actually opened at 20 and a half and got bet down extremely quickly. So for me, and anyone else that was playing it, like I, I don't hide from anything. If I fuck up, I fuck up, whatever. But it was the slowest death I've ever felt on any bet the whole season. So part of the analysis for me is that what well, was for me was the Detroit Lions defense run defense is extremely good. So the 49ers should be passing. And even when they fell behind, I was like, this is this this is perfect. This is exactly what we need to do. They're going to be passing, passing, passing. They kept running. And it was the 49ers' last drive of the game. Literally, Christian McCaffrey's last play on the field was a run 
where he ran out of bounds, got tackled, ended up landing on his head, bounced for a little bit at the two. I think Elijah Mitchell came in, ran for a, a touchdown yep. that one. His last play on the field pushed him to 20 rushes on the game. I don't hide from anything. That one hurt me. It hurt the betting account drastically. It was brutal. Is what it is. The lines are raised a thing come the playoffs. So please, if we give out something, if I give out something, if Jacob gives out th- something and you see it, whatever, if it's like 53, 54, whatever, and you see it's maybe 57, be aware on this, all right? And even I've spoken about the punting yardage one, I will say, because there are people that used to be on this podcast that are pretty sharp. For most places, it is 54 and a half. Longest punt for Wisnowski. Ladbrokes are sitting at 57 and a half. So be careful. They're razor thin. Don't chase bets. Absolutely. So so shop around. And, and my same game multi is because I was shopping around too. And look, Christian McCaffrey caused you some pain last week. I'm hoping that he can um, bring some joy to us. If you like San Fran to do well in this game, I'm giving you a same game and there's three legs, right? And maybe I'll type it up in a minute and put it on the screen. This is on top sport. You're going Christian McCaffrey, anytime touchdown, first half. Then you're going Christian McCaffrey, anytime touchdown, second half. Those two alone get you to 850. Now, Christian McCaffrey is $3 to score two plus, but you get 850 from to score in each half. Of course, it's harder to score in each half than it is to score two plus because you could get a double in the first half or a double in the second half. But that's a lot bigger odds. And I think there's a fair chance. I mean, it hit last week. He scored in each half. He's $1.50 to score in this game. So I think Toppy have got it a bit wrong there. So $8.50. And I'm going to add a third leg. I'm going to add San Fran over 24 and a half because it's correlated that if McCaffrey has scored in each half, then you've you know you've, you've already got a couple of touchdowns there minimum. It's not to say McCaffrey doesn't end up with three. And you've got so many other weapons. I also think it's easier to kick field goals indoor. I can easily see... San Fran kicking two plus field goals. Elevation. I think San Fran's cause, pardon me? Elevation as Elevation. well. Hadn't thought of that. Elevation, really? Yeah, yeah there so you they're go. 2,000 so, feet above sea level. True, true. So, again, uh, two teams that have uh, played that are from outdoor environments. I really feel like I know they've both got really good defenses. I know San Fran can play at a slower pace, and I know KC's like a stronger defense and uh, has struggled offense. Lots of reasons to like under. I lean over because you get two teams that are from outdoor environments that actually come together and hook up in a dome. And I think it's going to magnify what their offenses can do. So I do think San Fran scores 27 plus. So that same gamer, which I'll type up in a minute, McCaffrey to score in the first half, McCaffrey to score in the second half, and San Fran over 24 and a half is $12. So I think that's really juicy. If you're less convinced about the team total there, also you can just go McCaffrey in each half at 850. Now, I've been strong, uh, strongly pro-San Francisco, as people know, so it's going to be so easy for people to keep receipts and let me know about it if they don't win in eight days' time. Nettie, you haven't really tipped your hand in terms of who you would bet for the side. I want to give you the chance to do that, but let's tilt the scales a tiny bit, balance the ledger with some bias because we're going to bring in our passionate KC fanboy, The Undertaker. We know probably who he's going to back, but nevertheless, we uh, appreciate his tips and angles. Let's have a listen to the way Undertaker's playing this one. Gentlemen, happy Super Bowl week. Nettie, Jacob, I'm sure you're doing a great job at dissecting the game. 
I'm going to go with my boys, the Chiefs, to the surprise of no one I know, but I'm going to keep it simple. we got the better coach, we got the better quarterback by far, better defense by far, and we're an underdog in this game. I do think the wrong team's favored. I, I mean, I get why from a season-long point of view and all the data we've had, the 49ers have been the better team, but you've really got to go back two months since the 49ers' last really impressive win against the Eagles on the road where they had that big revenge win. But they've been really, really lucky to get to this point in the playoffs. They should have probably lost both games, should have definitely lost the Lions at least, if not the Packers as well. The Chiefs have been rolling. They've been getting it right at the right time of year. And, I mean, when, it, when it's close in the second half, who do you want? Mahomes or Purdy? Who do you want? The, the, the Chiefs' defense that have been the best in the league at conceding points in the second half. Uh, they've conceded 10 points total in three playoff games. Uh, that's just been incredible, kind of the opposite of the 49ers who have been a bit better in second halves, but overall been really, really ordinary. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs. You can, you can keep your two point start. Don't want it. You can keep the money line price. Don't want it. I'm going to, I'm going to sell some points on Kansas City. I'm going to take the minus two and a half at $2.32 on sports bet. And as a bonus play, I'm going to have the Chiefs to have, this is on bet 365 at $1.86, the Chiefs to have over 23 and a half rush attempts. They've had 32 and 34 against Baltimore and Miami. They had 24 against the Bills, and that was a game that they had half the time of possession as Buffalo did, but they still hit the over of this number. They're just a much more balanced team now. They are running it a lot more with Pacheco and um, against this 49ers team that you can run it all over. I mean, the Lions showed us that, the Packers showed us that. I'm sure the Chiefs have taken note of uh, how, to, how to really go at this team. I think you're going to see a lot of running. Also in big games, like like a Super Bowl, you don't get any bigger that the quarterbacks do run it a lot more. So expecting maybe five, six run from, uh, runs from Mahomes as well. And you do count quarterback kneel downs as part of the rushing attempt. So there are two bets I'm going to have on the game. Yeah, looking forward to the game, guys. Let's get behind the Chiefs. Go, boys. I'm sure that wasn't biased at all. <laughs> exactly. Kind of new, but you've got to hear the Undertaker's perspective. And we kind of needed to hear some pro Chiefs thoughts for sure because there's no there's no sure things here but i really wanted to be bold in this pot it would have been easier for me to say i think the niners may get the advantage the niners can win because of that but uh, truly this is one of those games where you know often big games the line can't be very wrong like because there's so much scrutiny right it's going to be pretty accurate this is one of those games where i feel like we might look back and think oh actually san fran was superior we'll, we'll understand it all like, in retrospect to be to be like like to push back on sort of what Maddie said, like you think about it, so they play Miami who are horrible outdoors in the cold, right? So they're warm weather team, extremely injured. Okay, win there. They come against the Bills who are on short rest. They were playing practice squad guys as their linebackers, ended up just losing on that. And then you roll it back, Los Angeles, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, New England, Buffalo lost that. Green Bay lost that. Las Vegas lost uh, won that one, and Philadelphia lost that. You know what I mean? Like you, you can go ifs and ifs and whatevers on that one. Yes, it's Mahomes. Yes, it's the Chiefs. But like I spoke to you about before, there is something fishy. I think I believe about this line on that one. Um, Kansas City or Kansas City, whatever they're comfortable. It's just whether or not the 49ers can be as comfortable. Step on their throats. Be aggressive. Run, run, run. Run, CMC. Run. So in the comments, Maddie, if you're still watching The Undertaker, give us your score prediction. We'll put it up on the screen. And Nettie, I'll throw a prediction and a result prediction. Uh, uh, Sorry, sorry, sorry. I missed that. What was that? You want me to say who is winning? Who wins and the score as well. Ah, tough, man. Uh, For me, head and heart. I've spoken about this the whole time. 
I truly, truly, truly just want the 49ers to win some fucking bird. Um, I will go, what did he say, 27-24? I'll say 27-24, 49ers. <laughs> okay, Nettie, Niners by three, 27-24. Maddie, the other way around, Chiefs by three, and he is laying the two and a half there, so that would work out perfectly. For Maddie, get ready, guys, because you can throw I'm- this in my face. I will. Hang, sorry, 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 sorry. But I'll jump in here as well before anyone gets fucking silly. Um, we know this. We've spoken about this. We've said this on a numerous, numerous, numerous pods a thousand times, a thousand years beforehand. Do not, do not bet the underdog if you like the Chiefs on the money line. You're losing money. Don't do it. Waste the money. Don't do it. This is the one game you don't do it. Because people prefer to get a plus return. So more of your kind of casual punters are going to back like that um, underdog head-to-head. So, look, speaking of uh, terms of betting theory, this line right now is at two. Uh, opened one and a half, got out to two and a half, currently at two. I think, if anything, it will get a little bit lower because I just think there's no chance the line gets to three. If it gets to three, there's going to be so much action on Kansas City. So people who want to back Kansas City are going to kind of know they can't get a three. Therefore, anyone that wants to bet big on Kansas City is going to grab any possible two and a half or two that they can get, or they will play the money line, which may be a bit ill-advised. However, if the line was to get to one or to pick them, I think then the Sharps that like San Fran would come in heavy on there. So I'm going to predict it closes between one and two. So there's no sheer rush to jump out and play San Fran because it's two right now. But uh, it shouldn't move a great deal, but you may get a few more cents in your favour. It is crazy, and I know uh, Maddie made that point. We've got Mahomes an underdog over Purdy, but I've made a pretty serious case as to why I think that actually is right in terms of how I bet this game. So I will probably go San Fran head-to-head at the best available price, and I hope that I can get probably $1.80. Uh, but I will also play some old lines and I'll post exactly what I play, but I'll look for a minus six and a half. I'll look for a minus 13 and a half. I don't think it's out of the question that San Fran gets up a touchdown or 10, that the foot goes to the throat while Casey's got a press. And sometimes that gets you back in the game, but sometimes that extra risk, the score magnifies. Uh, This game is not dissimilar to me to the college football national championship game where, uh, Michigan, you know, needed overtime to get into the final, but they were just too physical for a Washington team who had the better quarterback and the electric passing attack. And Michigan ended up winning that game by 20 points, even though the line was, you know, single-digit line. A lot of people thought Washington had a chance. My final score prediction, right in my face if I get it very wrong, but I'm going San Francisco 34 beats the Chiefs 16. Uh, I will take MVP McCaffrey. I liked your call in our playoffs preview, eleven to one, and still five fifty, the best price I've seen about him. Have you got anything else for us, Nettie? You're going to be back next week, so you're going to have a chance to give people more in this time slot on only on the Tripod Facebook page on the Sunday, which is obviously Super Bowl Eve. I'm also going to share an additional top sport market, the one that I've shared that I'll put on the screen now. You build yourself; it's available for you to build yourself. But I might come up with a custom one that's even more creative that um you may find under their uh, under their gridiron headings but i'm just waiting until as tristan said when they launch their upgraded sgm builder i'm going to post and let people know that's the case and i tell you my um my personal unique one but what else have you got for us before we get out of here mate? Um, i will say for me like if 
for me, next week is the big episode. Anyone that's followed me for years knows that the Super Bowl episode is roughly same amount of time as this one. It's around uh, an hour long. I will give you a breakdown of what the Chiefs should do to win. 49ers defense, offense, sorry, should do to win what the 49ers defense should do, what the Chiefs defense should do. So that way you can make your own bets. I will also break down the bets that I have on that one. Um, I will say for this going forward, before you start laying your same game multis, et cetera, et cetera, wait for that episode, okay? Because the Kansas City Chiefs, this year, they've only come back from deficits, I think, in two or four games, whereas previous years have actually been really good on this one. Um, and the two year, two games sorry, that they came back from deficits was, of course, the Bengals, who was Jake Browning and um, Aiden O'Connell on that one. So be careful. They're not built to come from behind. That's what she said. So, yeah, make sure you tune in at 4 p.m. next week on that one. I'll give a full breakdown analysis. I'll be heavy in the thread. And as you all know, it's random times, all right? So be prepared. I think I've only got two, three, four bets so far that are posted. Expect them. This week, it will get heavy. Usually, I'll dig in pretty heavy during this first week. So this week coming up, be prepared, man. Make sure you like, follow, comment, whatever on the posts that I have in there. Otherwise, you will miss them because, as I said before, the lines move very aggressively this week and if you miss out it could be a very big difference like i said with the wishnowski punting follow like support and appreciate your support as always matt especially to steer the ship while i went missing in action thank you to everyone that tuned in as well appreciate you guys yeah we'll um, keep interacting and happy to reply to any comments reach out to us and we want to hear what everyone else is backing as you start to put your plays down over the next eight days so again Nettie's back on the Tripod Facebook page uh, in one week, I'll be in and around the kind of the group and um, and the page, and can't wait. And I'll see you in person, mate. We're going to catch the game together, so that'll be can't exciting. Uh, you know, we haven't even bragged on this pod. We're both we're both actually riding Chiefs at eleven dollars to win the Super Bowl, which we got before the playoffs. But um, I'm just using that as a hedge that just makes it kind of a free roll because I, I will be turning the tables and playing uh, San Francisco, and people can um, throw everything I've said for the last. 75 minutes straight back in my face if I end up being wrong. But that's the fun of it. We'll find out. We'll put it all on the line. Just log uh, off. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> Lego. Peace.